Welcome, Pathfinders, to Find the Path podcast, actual play of the Hell's Rebels Adventure Path. Now with more Phantasmagoriums. Yeah, I was about to say, now with more Taurus <laughs> traps, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like yours better. What is it? <laughs> yep. Everybody loves a good tourist trap. <laughs> Come to Cantargo, mm-hmm. get your, your devil's horns, your, like, oh, your stick-on oh, ones no. on a little like headband so you can wear yeah. around the park. I'm not going to lie. I totally want some of those. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Now I want like the equivalent of Disneyland in Cantargo. It's just Cantargo land. Yep. <laughs> Double land. <Anyway>. Double land. <laughs> we only have nine rides. You won't enjoy any of them. <laughs> Each gets progressively worse as you go. Uh, it gets progressively worse. Oh, it's so bad. Uh, yep. Thanks, Dante. Anyway, um, <laughs> no, none of that is the case. In fact, well, technically the Phantasmagorium part is the case, but uh, yeah, all the rest true. of that, not the case. Uh, yeah, we're coming back once again with the continued adventures of our Silver Ravens. When last we had left our rebellious heroes, the party had spoken with their friend and ally, Rexus Victcora, who believed that there was a possibility that his mother might still be alive, and revealed that his mother's family had purchased a place known as Hokum's Phantasmagorium. I get a Ripley's Believe It or Not vibe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kind of, yeah. Yep, one of Kentargo's more notorious attractions, a collection of oddities, uh, the place has been closed for many years. However, he believes that it is now, it's basically the abandoned building has been being used as a front for his family's restoration or perhaps expansion of the secret society they belong to, the Sacred Order of Archivists. Mm-hmm. You'd done some, uh, your research, and by that I mean you'd sent out your teams to go and gather some information and case the place and get some general idea of what was going on there. And they'd return back and said, well, at the very least, something is going on there because there's a whole bunch of Asmodean redactors who mm-hmm. have been uh, hanging out inside of the place, of which Chesare yeah. had told you was bad. Hey, we knew that was bad. I That's just like that bad. the redactors have that, like, have, like, the team jerseys on so that everybody knows that they're the team redactors. Team redactors? Yep. <laughs> the Kandargo redactors. Except for they've also redacted the name on the T-shirt, so it's oh, just no. a blank exactly. white That's line. That's how you know. It's just, like, it's just a blank white box where the name should go. Yep. <laughs> Uh, Patreon uh, t-shirt idea. Oh my gosh, that's a great idea. With the number, like the number six six. I don't like, want to like sport their merch. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna that go does. with a big no on that one. We'll sell whiteout that's just branded with the Asmodeus. <laughs> oh, Redactor brand whiteout. Oh my gosh, I love that. If anybody actually used paper still, that would be yeah. important. Now it's that all digital because nice. everybody's work from home. No, the uh, delete key. We have a delete key with a little Asmodean symbol on it now. <laughs> Yep, it's going to be the name of Cesare's memoirs. It's just going to be Contargo Unredacted. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I a it. memoir after dark. It's like, it's like the unabridged yeah. version of a book. <laughs> yep. So, Amazing. yeah, the, the party had determined that the Asmodeans had basically moved in from all that they could, uh, not just the Asmodean redactors, but they believe also a priest of Asmodeus as well as the woman Knox, yeah, the, the personal bodyguard of the new Lord Mayor, Barzillai Throne. Yeah, yeah she's the one who bad. got a knife in her neck and seemed unfazed. Yep, back well, in uh, oh, wow. episode two, That's I believe. Which is a, which yeah. a good way to tell somebody you're tough is whenever like, you get like what should be a mortal wound and you're just like, nah. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I sure got five of these a day. Yeah. The sixth one, though, gotta watch out for that. <laughs> yeah. It's a very specific clause. That's my five times sure. a day ability. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I believe you just kind of gathered yourselves together. You'd prepared. Rexus had provided you not just with the Phantasmagorium key of what she had retrieved from his, uh, well, technically, I believe Lucia had found the safe containing that from the ruins mm-hmm. of the Viticora estate. 
Yep, with the he had also uh, provided. Yes, he had also provided the mithril key that his mother had left him as part of the safety safety box that she'd left with Laria that included the note basically saying, hey, go and check out the, the livery, as well as the silver dagger that I think Nicolo's been rocking. Mm-hmm. I believe so. Pretty I much since we go. Yeah, and the party had leveled up following the, now that you've begun part three of uh, yeah. book one of Hell's Rebels. Woo! In Hell's Bright Shadow being the name for book one, and part three being Redactions and Revenge. Mm. Ooh. Who's going to be doing the revenging? That's the question. Yes. <laughs> <Revengeance>. <laughs> <Obviously>. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Maybe you'll be doing the redacting. What a twist. <laughs> but yeah, you guys had reached level three finally. Uh, I guess um, in our in our tradition of everyone leveling up, go ahead and give me one cool thing that you got at this level. I think I got the same thing Chesare did. I got another level of spells. So I got second level spells. Okay. And I took a spell called Feral Shades. Uh, well, I mean, I can take lots of you spells, can, but yeah. the one I have prepared is Feral Shades, which <laughs> is cool. I essentially send a creepy mist of predatory animals uh, to viciously attack my foes. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. What about Lucia? Now as a fighter. Fighter level three. Yeah, now, now fighter Lucia um, didn't get a whole lot this level. Uh, did get a general feat, so I've got toughness. Ooh. Okay. Just a couple more hit points. Yeah. Hey, nothing hurts. wrong with that. Yep. Yeah. Chesare. Yeah, I got spells and second level spells, and that's about it, really. Any spells you'd like to preview? I took Acid Arrow and Blood Vendetta. Mm, blood Wait, Vendetta. what is Blood Vendetta? That, that must sounds be, is that a new exactly one? like something Chesare would take. <laughs> so. uh, basically, if somebody makes me bleed, they have to make a saving throw, and depending on their saving throw, they take damage. If I bleed, <laughs> you can die. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. It gives me a reaction, basically, that yeah, when I take damage, they have to make a will save, and depending on what they make, they can take persistent bleed damage. Because cool. they made Chesare bleed cool. his own blood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How he will not you? have that. <laughs> no. Mm-mm. All right. What about our resident investigator? I got another general feat as well. I took unmistakable lore, uh, which basically means uh, it says I can never get information about my areas of expertise wrong, mm. which feels very Victoria. The know it all really does. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Nice. There you go. And our rogue. Well, I mean, I did get a general feat, but honestly, I think that the uh, rogue's third level ability is super cool at this level. It is deny advantage. Mm. Creatures of my level or lower do not get a bonus to attack me if I am would otherwise be flat-footed. So mm. this means that um, if, even if they're invisible, I actually get my full defense against them. That's nice. nice. Yeah. It's actually better than just, like, you can't be flanked. Yeah, so it's just like, no, actually. Unless they're higher level than me, in which case they absolutely can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> we'll see. Mm-hmm. We shall see. So, yeah, I believe when we last left off, all of you decided to make a, uh, a sunset attack, in essence. Through the front door. Through the front mm-hmm. door was uh, was the general plan as far as entering oh. into the uh, Phantasmagorium. It's the door they don't use. Yeah, mm-hmm. that they've been using the side door, so the other entrance would be technically the one that they would be watching at the very least, closer to, as opposed to the front door, which they're not using. <laughs> and also, we have a key to the front door. Also, you have a key to the front door. Yeah, so uh, Cesare will cast Mage Armor and Blood Vendetta before we go wandering off. Yeah, I thought it was a reaction. Oh, I, th- I think it gives me a reaction. I don't think, I think I have to have the spell activated the way I understand uh, it. It shows cast as verbal reaction. So oh, okay. it, it's a, as long as you have it prepared, you can use it oh, whenever... Okay. A creature deals piercing, slashing, or persistent bleed damage to you. 
-hmm. Interesting. And I appreciate that apparently if someone hits you with a bludgeoning weapon, I guess you don't bleed enough for blood vendetta to kick in. Well, a lot of times with a a bludgeoning attack, the first uh, attack doesn't always expel blood. But the second attack... Actually, fun D&D deep dive thing. Uh, The reason that clerics in... Mm -hmm. AD&D could only use bludgeoning weapons was the idea that priests shouldn't spill blood. Mm-hmm. And so they would beat you to death with hammers and maces, which feasibly, again, you could make someone bleed blood, but it was the idea of like, they're, they're the not bloody weapons. Yeah. Fun fact that was based off of uh, actual Catholic historical doctrine. Priests weren't supposed to uh, attack people with bladed weapons, but they still went to war with all the maces and morning stars <laughs> that they could grab. So, okay, so what I'm saying is everybody's out there with their short swords and shields and one guy with a with a uh, you know a mace, and you're like, that's the chaplain. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> and now you know why uh, chaplains in 40K have little maces that they carry around. <laughs> it's all connected. It's all connected. <laughs> so all of you set off. You make your way from the Long Roads Coffee House, head across the Villagree distant district, the sun off in the uh, the far horizon, sinking beneath the the distant hills outside of the city of Cantargo, beyond the walls as far as what you can tell from here in the Villagree district. Beautifully painting the sky red behind the assorted minarets of the, the towers in the distance. You navigate your way through the city streets. The distant sound of the bells tolling from the temple far to the south, although again, it's the devil's bells, so you're not entirely positive what it's tolling for or why. Always in combinations of three, though. You make your way past Alabaster Academy, where some students are leaving for the day, making their way back home, those that live off campus. Some are leaving for the day, you know, going, hit one of the local bars or something like that before they actually reach the curfew that's in about two hours. Follow the Alabaster Way all the way down to Night Road. Cut over from Night Road to Bridgeway, and then make your way across Bleak Bridge. Not having to pay a toll since you're making your way to the island and not to the mainland. Yay! You cross Bleak Bridge, and then follow Bridgeway south, passing by the River Road, and reaching the point where Bridgeway turns into Red Street as it enters into the Red Roof District. And it's not long past that. Honestly, it's a relatively short walk. It only takes you about 20 minutes to get to Pokemon's Phantasmagorium. I suppose we're waiting for the chaos to ensue by the other teams that are in place before we do this. Well, again, I believe the plan was to make that at sunset. So your idea was to arrive just after sunset so that the guard is already focused uh, somewhere else down closer. Well, down near to uh, Kellenbers as opposed Mm -hmm. to where you are. Yeah, at this point, we have to assume that whatever it is that they did worked. So let's go. Yeah. Also, English people, is hokum, like, if something is bull, right? Yes, yes that's what's so funny mm-hmm. okay, about Okay, all right. Yeah. I, I was sitting there and I was like, hokum, why does that sound so familiar? It's a bunch of hocus pocus. It's a bunch of hokum. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. bunk. Yeah, okay. All right, got it. Yep. Adria's going to ready her crossbow, I guess. We, I assume we all ready weapons. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if you're door. waiting until you go in through the door or... Yeah, because there are still people out on the street. I'm waiting till I'm in the building. Yeah, I'll wait till I'm in the building. You begin to approach towards the building. Mm-hmm. The structure is sprawling. This large, single-story building, which has certainly seen better days. The building's stone facade stands out amidst the assorted brick-lined walls of the surrounding structures. As unlike most of the areas in Red Roof, this one does not in fact have a red roof and is not constructed of the same clay bricks as the rest of the structure around here, 
but instead the whitewashed stone that is more commonly seen on the mainland. There are numerous windows to the left and right of the central approach, the the walk that heads up towards the door and the wide steps that ascend up to it. In all of these cases, boarded up from years past. Boarded up enough that you can see streams of rust coloring the boards from where the nails have been hammered into the, the facing of each of the windows. Signs advertise rates and incredible exhibits within. Each one of these having faded to the point that they're barely legible as you begin to approach. Although all of the prices on this seem to be quite reasonable. <laughs> oh, well, good. Above the front door is a large crimson sign, which announces Hokum's Phantasmagorium! Exclamation point. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when they put punctuation in the signs. A wide set of steps, obviously intended to accommodate the the press, the massive hordes of people that would be pushing to come in here, 30 feet across, <laughs> leads up to a comedically large front porch area. There are numerous small pedestals. And by that, I mean they're about 10 feet across, but only about six inches high, where you're going to guess at one point these pedestals out front would have probably displayed various exhibits. So like things like uh, taxidermied owlbears and things like mm. that for the uh, the public to ooh and awe over as they make their way by. However, now all of them stand empty. The building has this air of abandonment. As you begin to approach the front, you can tell that the front door has probably been locked for some time, judging by how old the door is. There's a single notice that has been hammered into place on the door that simply states, no trespassing. <laughs> well, we have a key. And and technically the deed to this place, so this is our place. <laughs> the boards over the windows seem to have protected the windows from over the years, but as you approach closer towards it, you can see that there are a number of small etchings across the door. Hmm. I imagine Niklo probably holds up for a second as he begins to reach that, eyeing it suspiciously until he realizes that it's numerous tiny scrawled initials of the children oh. brave enough to get up to the door of this oh. haunted building. <laughs> nice. <laughs> if I look very closely, maybe any clothes are up there. No. Um, yep. What are you, crazy? Mama would never let me near here. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> You step up, making your way between the two statues, uh, one of an angelic being with her wings spread wide, wide, the other of a fiendish being with his wings clasped around him like a cloak. Hmm. All right. I guess we head in now or never, right? Yep. Let's do it. I guess Nicolo grabs the key and steps forward to unlock the door. Very well. Lucia would like to check behind us, see if anybody looks and notices us before we go inside here. So you all wish to make your way forward? Mm -hmm. Agreed. You step up approach the front of the building. Again, there's a wide set of double doors, which leads its way inside. Approaching it, I assume, uh, producing the key that Rex has provided all of you. Mm-hmm. Yes. I don't think anybody's oiled this in a really long time. Well, if somebody brought oil with them, we could try to do some maintenance. Oh, man, am I that handy? I don't think so. Uh, no, none of us would have thought to do that. That's... I don't have a lantern because I don't need one. Yeah, agreed. Nope. Nope, I don't got it. No, I, I don't have anything like that. That isn't smart. Oh, well. All right, then. Well, worst case scenario, they hear us and they come for us instead of the other way around. Mm. Let's begin. Niccolo, I suppose you uh, you take the key, lean down. Probably note with some interest that the door is worn, the doorknob is worn, 
Even the latch here is worn. The mechanism inside seems to have been replaced relatively recently because it oh. does not stick at all as the key easily slides in. Huh. You don't mm. think that this mechanism could be any more than maybe five or six years old, despite the, place, the fact that this place hasn't seen business since the turn of the century. Hmm. Interesting. Seems Rexus's parents might have replaced some of the deadbolts. I mean, it makes yeah. a little bit of sense, doesn't it? You know, Agreed. security and all that? Yeah. I start to push open the door once it's unlocked. I'll try to do it carefully, but I have a feeling it's not going to go that smoothly. Unlock, unlatching this, opening it. Curiously enough, you find that the doors here actually open outward. Hmm. So well, that they that can, in sense. essence, be opened outwards to allow the crowds to come in. Mm -hmm. Pulling this open, once again, notably, the doors open quietly. Hmm. Leave it to the secret society to prioritize making sure everything's silent. Huh. Hey, that's good. I'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth. Precisely. We should probably follow their lead from here on out, then. Yes. Agreed. Lucia just holds up a finger to her mouth. Shh. So I have a new feat that we can try out if y'all are interested in it. Do you have stealth synergy? <laughs> Basically, yes. Um, amazing. Yeah. Uh, Niklo actually has the quiet allies feat, which allows us to use the follow the experts activity for stealth. Moreover, we roll once and use the lowest the lowest modifier for the Why results of our seven? stealth checks. Uh, what is my modifier? Cesare's is also a seven. For uh, I'm a nine. I have an eight. I'm a six. Oh, Victoria is the least sneaky. Very well. So wait, do we all roll with this? No, uh, we roll one check for the entire group. Oh, interesting. Can we nominate... Six. Rachel or Heather to be the rollers. <laughs> yes. I mean, technically, I guess if Rick wants to run it this way, it would be Rachel rolling since it's Rachel's modifier. That yeah, we're we'll go ahead and do that just because oh, it's Lord. the easiest thing to just have make Rachel make a stealth check. So you slip your way forward, step inside. Immediately upon entering, this place has this old smell, this musty smell of dust and years of abandonment. A worn carpet leads from the front door through an entry area, maybe some 20 feet wide, 10 feet deep, and then through a wide arch into a chamber beyond. Off towards your right-hand side, the wall is covered with posters and advertisements for various shows, all of them dated from years and years ago. But many of these are both performances, as far as like local bars and such as were concerned, as well as upcoming attractions for the Phantasmagorium. Underneath that is a notice board with a a number of small sheets of parchment tacked to it, calling for various adventurers, asking them to track down various items. Huh. Ah. Mostly okay. along the lines of live reef claw, or ah. giant clam, or man-eating amoeba, etc. <laughs> That's what you can I, I see they were working on a sea exhibit. Yep. Mm. Off towards your left-hand side is a bar, in essence a counter, that runs almost the entire length of the left-hand side, although there's a gap that has one of those fold-down countertops on mm. the far end of it to allow someone to walk behind it and a door which leads into a room beyond that. Once again, a list of rates covers the wall behind that with various prices for exhibits for the Hall of Cryptids, the Hall of the Seas, the Insect Zoo, the Wax Gallery, hey. the Hall of Historical Truths, Ooh. Uh, 
and the Emporium Arcanum. Hmm. Does the Hall of Truths have quotes around it? <laughs> nope. <laughs> I wonder if that's where our redactors are. I mean, that'd be pretty on the nose. Although, I don't think those truths were very truthy. Hard to say. Maybe they stumbled across something that was actually real. The sign over the archway leading its way directly, like the archway opposite of where you come in, is labeled the Hall of Cryptids. Well, I guess we're starting there. Mm. Do we want to check the door behind the counter before we move on? Might as well. We do a quick searchy search, getting our weapons and shields and whatnot ready. Also true, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Cesare's going to enter the building and shut the door. You have uh, Yeah, we shut the door, the masks on, weapons out. Oh, that makes it dark. Interesting. Yep. Shutting the door, there's no longer light in here other than Nicola, who can see in the dark. Cesare will light. cast light spell on Raven's <laughs> necklace like he always does. I'll put it on Lucia. Yay! I am just going to uh, put a reminder out there that I do have the That's Odd feet in case it helps. Okay. Ooh, I know this whole place is odd. probably going to be a lot of That's Odd. <laughs> Well, not odd isn't just strange. More is odd as it doesn't belong. So if it's if it's like an, mm-hmm. oddity, an oddity, then yeah. it probably belongs here. So it's it's going to be the stuff that is normal odd for the oddities. Yeah. You know what? Since you did remind me of that, there are a stack of guides on the counter. Since no one has decided to search the counter, but you would notice those with your that's odd feet. I would like to pick up one of the guides and look it over. Cesare will make his way behind the counter and open that door. All right, guys, if we get lost, we meet back in the cryptid room. <laughs> yes. Guide glancing this over has a rough map of the building. Uh, it's yeah. not as good as the map that you were already provided by your own allies, but it does have a rough map of the building. It also talks about some of the new additions here, including the Cyclops skull. <laughs> Whoa. Which apparently is a new addition, hmm. as well as the, the Quad Claw Marauder, whatever the heck that is. What? <laughs> I don't like the sound of it, but hopefully whatever it is was never real to begin with. Who knows? On the plus side, there's a cl- almost a claw for each of us. Uh, <laughs> as well as their new Osirian exhibit, including Mummy. No! <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh. Leave and it the, in the ground. <laughs> and what probably piques Vittoria's interest, although I'm not positive if this is going to be in a positive or negative light, uh, the addition of Professor Mangvoon, the Temple Hill slasher, to the Wax Gallery. Oh, wow. She's, she's probably one of those, like, uh, true crime junkies where it's like she's interested but kind of wants to punch it. It's like, this seems distasteful, but I'm going to yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. She Talk definitely wants soon. to see it, but feels a little bad about wanting to see it. <laughs> I just... Fortunately, we have a cat with us, so the mummy shouldn't be too big of a problem. <laughs> yeah, that's ah. true. Sure. Thanks, Raven. I suppose uh, Cesare and Niccolo, are they jumping the counter or are you walking through? I mean, Cesare is going to open the counter part and walk around like a normal person. I don't know what Niccolo is going to do. <laughs> I'd love to jump it. It's fun. <laughs> okay. I guess I'm going to keep watch to see if anything moves in the cryptid hall. Hey, uh, so what's a cryptid? Does anybody know what that is? Uh, like a tall tale, kind of. Mm, I don't know. Sounds like something that is mostly for tourists to gawk at. Yeah, they're like, uh, you know, the stories you tell people to scare them, like, especially when they're kids. It's sometimes they're real, sometimes they're not. Normally they're animals of some kind mm-hmm. whose existence is questionable. That's huh. Victoria being extremely, ha- uh, like, just extremely delicate about that whole thing. <laughs> so, Adria, you're looking into the room beyond. What is everyone else doing? 
Uh, Niccolo and Cesare obviously are heading over towards that door. Lucia and Vittoria. I suppose Vittoria is looking over the sheet that she's just gotten. Yeah, I'm looking over the guide. Uh, I guess I'll go follow Adria's lead and look into the next room, see if there's anything odd. Uh, again, the next room seems to contain a number of exhibits. Both of your eyes are immediately drawn to a large thing in the center of the room, kind of standing away from the surrounding walls, this what appears to be a large skull, uh, nearly as tall as you are. That's a big skull. Dang. Its exact details are difficult to make out, although it seems to have large tusks. Hmm. Opening the door off towards left-hand side, Cesare and Nicola, I suppose stepping into the room beyond. Yep. Yeah. The two of you enter into a chamber relatively large, about 15 feet deep, maybe about 20 feet in overall width, although the wall off towards your right-hand side follows the circular curvature of the room in the center of this building, the Hall of Cryptids, from what you've learned. This large room holds a variety of theatrical costumes off towards your left-hand side. Ropes, uh, mostly like velvet ropes, posts, blank signs and banners, paints some well-worn musical instruments, as well as what seems to be an open cash box for daily ticket receipts. Hmm. Off towards the side, you see a large display of collectible bracelets with Hokum's Phantasmagorium like done in like this filigreed style. You're pretty <laughs> wow. sure they're more copper than anything else. Nice. You know what? Nicola goes on ahead and grabs one. Okay. <laughs> Cesare arches an eyebrow but doesn't say anything. Cesare should check them for magic. Maybe they're magical. Our fairy dragon would probably it. love them. We need souvenirs, clearly. Well, you exactly. Know, Vin Vindelfec would probably like one. Let's collect. Let's put evidence into our per persons that we were here, which we're not supposed to be. Hey, we own this building, kind of, by association. I was like, we don't own anything. Rexus owns this building. But he gave us permission. Can we do, like, a quick search check? Like, I don't want to spend, like, a lot of time in here, but just, like, hey, can I poke around a little bit more thoroughly? Yeah, you can make a perception check to search the room. Nicolo can as well, since he's in there. I'd love to. Searching the room. You do find some goodies in here. Ooh. Uh, more specifically, you find the cash box is empty. Mm, makes unsurprisingly. Sense. Yeah. However, that being said, it looks like someone had been scrolling away coinage behind the cash box. Ooh, huh. sneaky, sneaky. Uh-oh. You find a small collection of, uh, of treasure, including one gold piece. Whoa. Dang. Wow. Somebody squirtled away quite a bit. Yeah. Four silver pieces and two copper. Hmm. All right. In addition to that, there's a small potion file. Hmm. With my quick identify, I think I can just look at that for a second, can't I? Uh, I think quick identify is one minute. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you want to take a minute, you can. Yeah, yeah I'll hold it out to uh, Cesare. Secret check. I suppose as Cesare picks up this file, kind of shakes it around, uncorks it, sniffs it. It's a potion of swimming. I suppose they were working on an underwater exhibit. <laughs> Interesting. Well, take it with us. Probably not going to come in handy in here, but... Not unless someone's refilled the tank. <laughs> oh, they probably have, haven't they? <laughs> with sharks. Oh, of course, Ooh, why not? Freaking laser beams. Uh <laughs> <laughs> and now we're in Starfinder. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, rejoin the others then, assuming that yep. we see nothing else of interest in this room. As a fun side note, that's actually a uh, item level six. Wow. Wow. That is pretty sweet. All righty then. It gives you a swim speed equal to your land speed for 10 minutes. Oh my Whoa. gosh. Wow. So, I mean, it's pretty dang useful. That's pretty good. <laughs> for when you really need to swim away from something. Yeah, yeah. geez. 
There's no, okay, there's no way they were giving that to the intern to be like, go feed the reef claw. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe the intern saved up for one, and like that's why all this money's back here. Cesare would be aware that they are not cheap. Yeah, I guess make sure Raven's not digging through the costumes and meet, rejoin the others out in the hallway. <laughs> you already know has. she's already shoved a couple of them back. <laughs> she's found like a comedically small classic fortune teller like headdress. <laughs> she's already wearing it. Yep. Chesary <laughs> probably identifies the potion and turns around. Where did you find that? Just places. Would you like to know your future? <laughs> I would. <laughs> I love it. Probably involves swimming. I regret asking. I guess with the the great mystic Raven, we rejoin the others. <laughs> Ra- Raven's meta gaming. <laughs> it's pronounced mystique. <laughs> yeah. uh, go ahead and give me a perception roll from the rest of the party out in the uh, the outs the room outside. All the ladies out there. Lucia sitting there, kind of getting her weapon ready. Victoria giving a glance once back over the uh, the map here, looking over to the map that you had, looking back to the other map. It uh, smells like barbecue. Hmm? Like burning meat. Hmm. And uh, I think there's some tracks on the on the floor up ahead here in the cryptid room. All right. Then we should go investigate. Yes. Yeah, I thought those redactors burned books. Hmm. Well, I mean, Don't... if there's somebody who knows too much, hmm. maybe... Hellhounds? Do hellhounds smell like burned meat? I've never smelled one. Do hellhounds smell like burned meat? I remember meat? us running from the hellhounds, so I don't think we smelled them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't think we stuck around long enough to really find out. Ch- Cesare would have been around them plenty, I'm sure. They tend to smell like sulfur and brimstone, though the people that they breathe fire at sometimes, I guess you could say, smells like barbecue. Oh, well, uh... Cesare gets kind of a too. pondering look on his face. Why do I have a sudden urge to go vegetarian? Well, we're not going to find out much standing here. Let's get going. All right. I point out the tracks to everyone else. So I guess it's a survival check to try to follow these tracks. Yes, you may make a survival check. Uh, I actually rolled a perfect 20 for a 25 survival. Likely a critical success. Okay, so change things up. Adria's fired a Scooby. We're now hiring Nicolo as Scooby. I just need to train survival that I too can have a, well, I mean, I have a five without being trained, but mm-hmm. I'm not there in the training department. Well, I've got a zero. I'm pretty sure I'm the Daphne of the group. <laughs> You're always going to get kidnapped. We're going to have to save you a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it kind of fits, right? Uh-oh. Victoria no. is, uh, is Velma. Mm. I, I mean, yeah, I'll take that. Yeah. We have too many people. Cesare is the guest star of the week. Ah, nice. Yes. <laughs> Cesare is Don Knotts. Don Knotts. <laughs> Don Knotts. And the Adams Family and all the other crazy things that that show did. Mm-hmm. Yep. Nicolo glancing this over. Great. It smells like burned meat. I think it's probably bad, whatever this yeah, is. Yeah, it's probably Great. Really bad. Best case, burned monster that we don't have to fight. Nah, we're not lucky like that. No, yeah, we're not. No. Since when have we ever been that lucky? You can tell the tracks seem to have led in from this door, although none seem to have left from it. Have you ever had one of those days where you wish that you didn't ask a question that you found out the right answer for? No, I typically like to have answers. You ever have one of those days where you wish you didn't roll natural 20? <laughs> <laughs> I'm having one of those days where um, we're looking at about a score of different folks here. The oddest part is about 15 of these track sets are booted. Five are not. Uh-oh. 
Okay, so creatures or uh, weird people that don't like shoes? Mm, possibly. Like Although, devils? The other notable thing is that they have come in. They have not come out, or at least not this way. Well, we knew there were people here. Yeah, but we didn't know that they'd come this way, necessarily. Well, I mean, it would make sense that they'd search everywhere. But they came in from the front door. Maybe uh, this is the archivists. Maybe. I can't say that word without being country. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) I can hope so. Well, let's go meet them. We knew we were coming to a fight. Just everyone to be on your guard. And let's yeah. hope we don't have to fight them all at once. Also that. Agreed. Let's go. Everybody be real careful. Don't knock I anything over. Into the Hall of Cryptids. Woo! Uh, boy, howdy. Mm-hmm. We'll keep That's this tour bus going. You step forward, pass beneath the archway, and enter into the Hall of Cryptids. I love it. What's in here? Let's look at every exhibit. The walls off towards either side shoot upwards. So instead of being about 12 feet high as there were elsewhere, it's close to about 16 feet high. Wow. And a large dome, the dome that forms the outside of the structure that you saw from outside, hangs overhead, complete with a skeletal body of what appears to be a large, long-necked reptile with four fins and this long, stretching neck. Ah, plesiosaur. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I'm just I mean, it sounds like No, that's exactly what it sounds like. Why'd they do that to Nessie? Yep. <laughs> Take that, Oh, man, I love Kinty. this place. Uh-huh. Macabre taxidermy and menacing skeletons line the walls of this 50-foot circular chamber. A middling-quality fresco of terrifying and fantastic beasts lines not just the dome ceiling overhead, but all of the surrounding walls, giving you this odd feeling like you're looking like between each of the pillars that lines the outside of this room, the half pillars built in the surrounding walls. Each of them shows a vista of distant deserts or undersea locales or jungles or forests or plains, each of them swarming with cryptids, which doesn't make any sense considering that they're incredibly rare, unproven creatures, but (laughs) swarming with cryptids. Off towards your left, you see this display showing what appears to be an entire herd of goats brought down by the chupacabra. Yeah. Off towards the far side, you see a nighttime pathway with a single moth-winged man standing menacingly in the path. Off towards the far side, you see a mountainous expanse covered in Sasquatches. Yes. Off towards the far side, you can see what it looks to be a horse walking on its back legs yes! with large bat-like <laughs> wings and a fire-breathing mouth mm. in front that's of a small the sleepy only town. thing that's actually a cryptid in here. Not Everything a, yeah. else are things that are real. <laughs> no, no, no. In this world, all of those things exist, I think. Yeah, that's but true. I'm just saying the Sandpoint Devil is the only one that's a completely and totally unique creature. Like, you can go... Yeah. I mean, technically, even like the, the term cryptid refers to a specific creature that exists yeah. in 1E. Again, looking over all this, you can see that there are numerous signs that hang in front of these various displays, many of them of which you're not entirely positive if they are in fact actual things, so much as just identifying whatever happens to be inside of that thing and claiming that it's something else. Like, here is the club of the Sasquatch with like a club there. (laughs) What look to be four Sasquatch, or as they refer to them here as skunk apes, skeletons. Weird. Oh my god. Uh, that's also okay. a common term for the Sasquatch. Yeah, it is, or the is it? Oh, I've it's never heard ape. that before. Mm-hmm. Weird. Yep. They supposedly smell like skunks. In these cases, these are Arcadian skunk apes. 
slightly oh, different than your regular okay. Sasquatches. Nice. So they might actually exist. Okay. Towards the far end of the room, you see a large display case with a number of dagger-sized fangs that is labeled the Teeth of the Blue Dragon Rivozaire. Hmm. And in the center of the room is a large skull. Uh, anyone that wishes to can go and make a uh, nature check. I should be good at knowledge for nature. Okay. I'll go ahead and give this. I don't need to necessarily type this out. Vittoria is probably not all that, not all that too interested in this. And it's like, okay, I'm kind of studying nature in passing. Uh, Cesare and Adria glancing over the skull. You can tell that this is the full-size skull of a mastodon. Ah, yeah. Whoa. Mm. And there's a large sign beneath it that says, the skull of the Cyclops King. Yep. I uh -huh. told you. Vortikai? Yep. Fun fact, mammoth skulls is why we think Cyclops exists because they actually only, like their eye socket thing is one big hole. Yeah. Huh. And it looks like a Cyclops. Interesting. I didn't know hmm. that. So yeah, Short large, large uh, skull of the Cyclops King. Ah, oh, man. I can see that like authenticity is not the the top <laughs> goal Chester here. Chester just is <laughs> circling in the room going, that's not real. That's fake. People that's spend, actually what this is. You spent money for this? Yeah, I, mean, I, can, I can believe in people not thinking the Mothman are real. I thought I was having a hard time getting a living, but apparently it's actually really easy if you're willing to lie to everybody. Yeah, I, I almost got kicked out when we brought Basilio because uh, he kept pointing out things weren't real in here because he was scared. They didn't mm. like that. I get a thousand yard stare and I just stare like out into space for a long time. Well, As you step in, oh, you take a quick glance around. You can see that there are three exits out of this room, a wide set of doors which stands open off towards your left-hand side. Nicolo, with your previous role, you can tell that the tracks make their way to and or to and from that direction. Neat. There's another set of doors on the far side of the chamber beyond the mammoth skull. And then a third set of doors off towards your right-hand side. As all of you glance about, I'll go ahead and say uh, Nicolo kind of taking up towards point. Lucia walking alongside of him. Adria Vittoria, Vittoria flanking out. Cesare just tisking his tongue as he looks over the poorly <laughs> labeled <laughs> Lucia and Niklo are the first to note that you, you kind of glance around and you look towards the, the doors. You look back, probably pause as something seems to have moved. It takes you a moment to realize that one of those Arcadian skunk ape skeletons is no longer in its exhibit. <laughs> it is now standing in the room as it hefts up a literal bench over its head and begins to stride its way forward, and I will need initiative from the party as you are attacked <laughs> by the skunk apes. Oh, oh no. My. All right. All right. That's who had a, who had a, getting attacked by skeletons on your bingo card? <laughs> what are they really? Can I make a knowledge nature check? Uh, you can on your turn. <laughs> yep. Oh, wait. It's probably a golem that's supposed to protect this place, right? I don't know. Maybe. So, queuing some sirenscape. Sirenscape, beware the cryptids. <laughs> Adria Marcella. I rolled a 14 for a 25. All right. Lucia Serini. Lucia rolls a 6 for a 13. Mm. Ooh, not as good. Not good. Very well. Cesare Nightbloom. Cesare rolls an 11 for a 17. 17. Right. All Our right. Average. Vittoria Scordato. Vittoria rolled a 5 for a 13. Mm. Wow. Go team. Okay. And Nicolo Ita. Nicola rolled a nine for a 16. So right. eh, not, not too bad. bad. It's not bad. Okay. So combat begins. Adria, you have first initiative. I'm going to start by trying to know what these things are. 
Very well. So go ahead and make me a recall knowledge for religion. Secret check. Okay. Um, all right. These are skeletons. Um, they're bad. Kill them. That's what I know. Right. It's on it. <laughs> um, next thing. I have two actions left. Um, and then I'm going to go ahead and uh, cast an electric arc between the two that are in front of me. Oh, Actually, right. I guess they both come from me, but whatever. You know how it is. So I'm doing that. It is heightened at this point because we have second level spells now, baby. Mm-hmm. There you go. So 2d4 plus 4 now, uh, which is 9 electric damage. They get a reflex save. It is a DC 19. So it looks like one of them gets a 26, the other gets a 13. <laughs> okay, one succeeds but does not critically succeed. Okay. Um, the other fails, so one takes 9, one takes half. All right. And that's me turn. So an arc of electricity shoots between the two of these, searing as the room fills with this thick stench of ozone and burning fur and now... The skeletons rock back. However, without the, you guess, nervous system or flesh or anything else, the electricity seems to have less effect on them than you are honestly hoping for. Oh, also, maybe don't use electricity. Um, all right. The, uh, the one that felled was still damaged. The one that uh, saved for half was unaffected. That brings us to the first of them. Ah, good. Go ahead and stride his way forward. You know, you have no intelligence, but Adria did just hit you with something. Uh-oh. Technically speaking, he has an intelligence of negative five, but oh, did just get hit with something. <laughs> so, yep, the uh, the quote-unquote skunk ape skeleton, which Adria was able to identify, is actually just the skeleton of a gorilla. Yeah, it's just a gorilla, yeah. Oh, makes sense, great. Yeah. Rushes its way forward, closes on Adria. Hi, buddy. And we'll go ahead and claw out at Missila. Ow, Jesus. Oh. That would be a Holy perfect 20 crap. for a 28. Uh-oh. I'm not loving this. That's I mean, obviously, that it's in criticals because that's it's a perfect a crit. 20. That is 12 anyway. points of damage as it dives Ow. forward and falls into you with Dang. both of its long fingers. Ow. It then wrenches these claws back out and swipes back past you. Again, attacking in a way that is very ungorilla like. Hmm. Uh, that that follow up strike is with a 15. Nope. As you dive back and out of the way of the second one, bleeding profusely from a gash along your side, that smell of ozone <laughs> and burnt animal fur just wafting off of this thing as it closes on you. Great. Lovely. It opens its jaw and they, what you're ex- immediately expecting to be a loud scream before no sound comes out. Mm. Other you don't than got like lungs, kind of buddy. a rattling thing. Single spider crawls out of its mouth. Ew. Actually, I kind of think I probably like spiders. Pro- they're helpful. That brings us to the next one, which uh, does not have easy access to Adrian. Honestly, was unaffected by the electricity, so maybe didn't even register that as a thing. <laughs> oh, no. It instead closes on Lucia. Eh, that's fair. And will heft and swing as it bears down. Whew. That is a 24. That's a hit. To hit Lucia. Dear Owie. God. These guys hit hard, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, dealing six points of damage as the claw rakes across your side. Lucia just kind of shaking off this sudden, you know, surprise of this thing lunging at her. It then follows up with a secondary attack with a 10. That's a critical miss, which doesn't get me anything, but, you know, it was a critical I thought maybe you had a cool thing, but I don't (laughs) know. No, I'm I'm hoping one day I might, but no, not today. Mm. Sadly, attacks of opportunity don't get triggered when uh, they crit miss. Cesare Nightbloom. Oh, sure. Cesare will make a recall knowledge. Uh, What is it? Uh, for undead religion. religion. Duh. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, you're aware of all the same stuff that Adria was. 
Alright, uh, Cesare will, for a second action, take a stride, so he's up next to Adria. Um, I'm not gonna... We have priests of Asmodeus and crap to kill later. I'm not using <laughs> higher level spells on some skeletons. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, so, talk for yourself. That hurt a lot when it just hit me. Alright, Cesare's gonna punch it. I roll a uh, 6 for a 13. I did not roll great. Uh, I'm afraid a 13 will not strike your target. Okay, that's the end of my turn. Very well. So Cesare just kind of strides forward, ducks under this thing, slams his fist into the jaw of this thing as the jaw goes flying off. It seems unperturbed by the loss of its jaw. <laughs> Beakle's eyebrows go up in a nod of respect, though. <laughs> like, seriously? <laughs> <laughs> that brings us to the third skunk ape uh, skeleton. Well, didn't see that one. Which oh, steps out from the behind the mammoth skull. Ah, mm. jerk. He's coming after me. Closes on Lucia, hefts up his bench. Oh no. Oh, this is uh, the one with Oh, the this bench. is Benchy. Oh, Benchy. 17. Is a miss. Very well. Hey. He's using an improvised bench, so. What about a four? That's a critical miss. <laughs> <laughs> I really need some reaction to that. So, very well. It starts swinging a bench at you as it closes <laughs> in. From there we go to Nicola. Mm. It's a target rich environment. Yeah, I know, right? Lucia has two of them on her. However, true. both the spellcasters have one of them on them. That is true. Neither of those situations are good situations to be in. Um, however, Adria did get slashed really badly. So Nicola is going to move striding over to flank with Cesare um, against the skeleton fighting the casters. All right. You spring around. Springing in behind Cesare. I will then make an attack against supposedly a flat-footed target, assuming that they can be flanked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Rolling another perfect 20, apparently today's <laughs> oh, my Oh, man, this is your, this is your wow. night. Perfect 20 automatically hits and criticals. So that's a 28. Um, 28 will be a confirmed critical hit. I have good stats for this episode. I know. So with my sneak attack included, the total is 22 points yeah. of bludgeoning damage. Yeah, get him. Yeah, he's dead, Jim. As you <laughs> spring around behind him, well, he was already dead, but he's undead and then dead again. As you spring around behind him, Chesare just kind of shakes his hand after punching the thing's jaw off as it turns towards him before this, I believe, mace? Uh, Morningstar. Your Morningstar. Mm -hmm. As this Morningstar shrieks around and cleaves into this thing, hitting its top of its skull so hard that it shoots down and breaks through its pelvis before shooting out <laughs> yeah. of the as the nice. whole thing collapses. Oh. Don't tell me how that doesn't work, Heather. <laughs> I mean, it might. If the bones <laughs> were desiccated enough. Nicola nods at Cesare, gives him a little thumbs up and thanks, and then moves over to flank with Lucia. <laughs> Very well. That's his final action. <laughs> so in one fluid movement, he's like, I'll be right back to Lucia, springs over, <laughs> kills this thing, then leaps back around. I imagine kind of kicks off the uh, the pedestal holding the mammoth statue as he tries to bring his weapon around to bear on the other one. Mm -hmm. Bringing us to Vittoria Scordato. Well, uh, Vittoria will... Uh, take a five foot step and go ahead and flank with Nicolo. Ah, yes. And the then go maneuver. I will uh, <laughs> devise a stratagem. Yeah, you know what? I'll just punch him. All right. I mean, I, I rolled a 14. That's I think that's good. pretty good. So I'll keep that. All right. So you wish to attack him? 
Yes, and that gets me a 23. A 23 will strike your target as you dive into the attack. Oh. Kind of look down at the sap, decide non-lethal is not the way to go here, and just kind of like leap back into the uh, you know, opposite Nicolo. Try to mimic some of the fighting that you've observed between Cesare as well as the uh, the practice sessions and everything with Morgar. Unarmed attacks are normally non-lethal unless you take a minus two penalty. Oh, that is true. Oh. So with the minus two penalty, that would make that a 21. Yeah. Yeah. Which will strike your flank target. It was also flat-footed, so it kind of is a wash. Uh, so I uh, rolled uh, seven points of damage. Seven points Ow. of damage. Oh, whoops. Oops. No, no, no. Uh, did not. I did not mean to click that I button. I punched myself in the face. <laughs> That's the damage I took from headbutting the skeleton. <laughs> Ow, my head! Still a, a solid so blow on the skeleton as you leap forward, ram your fist into its side. A few of the bones pop free as its rib, rib bones kind of rattle around in its uh, rib cage like a xylophone. <laughs> it makes that cool uh, dry bone sound effect that was always so satisfying in Mario. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I love that. Lucia Serini. Lucia looks down at her whip, tries to figure out how you would actually use that to damage a skeleton. Not really great. Looks down at her rapier that's still, you know, sheathed next to her. There's no really s- squishy bits to poke. Shrugs. Punches. Uh, she'll power attack. <laughs> Is she going to take the yeah. minus two to do it lethally? Yes, and she'll take the penalty to do it lethally. <laughs> All right, here we go. So that is uh, me rolling a 17 for a 28. Ooh, very nice. A 28 nice. will a? critically strike your flanked Woo! target. <laughs> yes. All right, cool. Uh, so then doubling oh. that, uh, that is not great damage. Uh, that is a whopping eight points of damage. All right. That's not good. That's still a solid hit as you slam your fists into this thing. It yep. rocks back. Um, and then since uh, since Benchy here probably is going to do a ton of damage if he actually manages to hit me, um, I will go ahead and activate my dueling parry. Uh, so as long as I am wielding only a single one-handed melee weapon and my other hand is free, I get a plus two to my AC for the uh, until the start of my next turn. Woo! Yay for nice. me. Very well. Top of the initiative, Adria. All right. Adria is going to run right over in front of this skeleton. And, the one that is uh, flanked by Lucia and Niccolo. Yes, the really, I'm, I'm putting these two in a line for myself so that I can then cast the spell and hope they don't have air, uh, attack of opportunity. Uh, so then I'm going to essentially evoke just a jumble of rocks in this 10-foot line in front of me. Okay, um, that works. Um, scatter scree. Oh, um, fun. They get reflex saves. Uh, got a 13 for one, 27 for the second. So one save, one uh, fail. They'll take half damage on a save. And they take nine damage or four damage. All right. And that area is now difficult terrain. Mm. As there's a bunch of rocks. Hey. The blast of stone shreds through the one closest to you that had already been damaged by Lucia before cracking Ah, into the next one, which stumbles under the blast. Although still stands the one that is flanked between Niklo and Vittoria. Oh, hey. There we go. All right. That uh, one down, one left. All right. From there, we go to the remaining skunk ape skeleton. Escape skeleton. It attacked Lucia initially. However, Lucia is did not attack it in return. Vittoria struck it last. Technically, Adria stuck it last, but it would have to move to get to Adria. So instead, it'll turn its attention to Vittoria. Mm. Come at me, bro. It will. Honey, let's, <laughs> let's not taunt the bad guys, okay? It turns you really think Vittoria speaks like that? I hope she does. <laughs> 
I want her to. Lashing out with a 22 to hit the investigator. That will definitely hit the investigator. Ouch. She will with a few more concussions. (laughs) (laughs) Slicing in for five points of damage as its claws bear down onto her, ripping through your petticoat and digging into your side. I don't know if you wear a petticoat. I doubt it. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, if, if we're doing investigator stuff, she is definitely wearing pants. Pants, a decent pair of pants. Follows <laughs> that up with a five. Well, a five strike, Victoria. Uh, Natural go one with five, which is an no. automatic miss. So it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Follows that up with a seven. Ooh. <laughs> that is also a no. It's not a well. bad day. So it does catch you off guard with that first slice as it digs into your side and continues to bear down on you. It doesn't seem to have enough of its instincts left to really bother with trying to step out of the flank. From there we go to Cesare Nightbloom. All right. Cesare will stride up between Lucia and Vittoria. I'm going to okay. punch this thing and I'll take the penalty to, of course, make it lethal. All right. Standard front line of fighter, wizard, investigator. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> We're a weird party, y'all. Everybody just punching stuff. So Cesare rushes forward, Raven clawing into his shoulder to hold on. Do a flying kick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I roll a 17 for a 22. Nice. A 22 yeah. will nice. strike your foe as you leap to the attack. Oh, I only do three points of damage, though, but it's bludgeoning and it's lethal. Bringing Hi-ya. down the creature as you <laughs> hey. run forward, leap up, grab onto its head before just connecting it with your knee as it cracks into pieces <laughs> under the impact. Nice. That's two KOs now with Cesare with punching things. Cesare will drop the remaining pieces of the skull and brush his hands off. <laughs> okay, that was real loud. I mean, that was rad, but uh, also real loud. So uh, <laughs> we should maybe uh, keep moving. Yes. Well, there is a one open doorway. Onward then. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because I, I don't think if we have 10 minutes, I'll patch myself up, but I don't think we have 10 minutes. Uh, can I not uh, do a quick one on you? I would prefer to save battle medicine for battle. Yeah, no, we should say, definitely save battle medicine for, like, combat. I don't know if that exists. I mean, I could magically cure myself. I'm fine. I'll be fine. All right. Well, keep in mind that we may have potions as well. Yeah, I mean, I oh, have lots of heal spells and whatnot. And uh, Oh, yeah, that's right. I've got, like, a, a minor healing potion, too. But for now, I think it. it's fine. Is the room to the left labeled the one that the footprints are all going through? It is. Glancing oh. it over, it reads, Hall of the Seas. Oh, yes. This is going to be the best exhibit. Let's go. I love the ocean. All right. Onward. Adria says, and then kind of like rubs her side. <laughs> you're you're going to be all going. right, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no worries. All fine. All fine. All right. If it gets too bad, I'll just use magic or something. <laughs> okay. As long as Again, you have a plan. I'm pretty sure I have a thing where if I use my battle medicine, it's, it's only like I can still... You're- treat you within an hour. Okay, well, in that case, I will definitely take some healing. Yeah, she can use battle medicine on Adria and then still can once per day use it again. Use it again. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, go ahead. I'll sit right here. Uh, I am going to go for the 20 DC to uh, use my medicine check and do some battle medicine against, well, I guess for Adria. (laughs) Against Against Adria's wounds. I mean, it has battle in the name. Ah, bummer. I rolled an 11 for a 19. Mm. So it does nothing. It's fine. Yep, that is a failure. Well. You know, you tried your best, honey. It's all fine. 
Oh, look, I feel better already. Adrian obviously does not feel better. <laughs> <laughs> She's starting to go a little pale. <laughs> well, I'm not dying. I'm only down like 10 or so hit points. It's fine. Oh, well, then I would have done the lower one if you were only that far down. Oh, well. Too oh, late well. now. Well, it's too late now. You've bandaged her up, so they're not going to mm. get infected. Yeah, I'm not like You're like, job well out. Good, right. You did such a great job. You got all the skunk ape uh, skeleton fur out of the, the wounds. Ew. Ew. That's probably just a all haven right. of germs. Let's keep this field trip moving. To the Hall of Seas. This really does remind me of like a seventh grade field trip. I love it. <laughs> yeah. We're basically we're basically going to like the creepy version of the Natural History Museum. I have not been let like... down by this place so far. No, we are <laughs> going to Ripley's Believe It or Not. That's what this is. Jordan, have you never been to a Ripley's Believe It or Not? No, no, no. I've totally been there. I'm just saying like so far all we've seen is like nature stuff. Well, yeah. Yeah. Like I never did a field trip to like Ripley's Believe It or Not. Well, no, I went as a human. Yeah. I mean, I did. We went there As opposed to field trips when, when you, you don't. went on your field trips, you weren't a human. I'm very confused. Yeah, that was when I was a child. Um, oh, human, okay. Pre-humanity. It was, it was a favorite locale of my daycare back in the day. No no ah. offense to any children who are listening out there. Children course. know. They know. I suppose you you all turn, make your way. Head through the, uh, the open doors. I'm assuming that... Uh, Niccolo, Lucia, taking point. Yeah, Adria's going to let them go first for sure. <laughs> Adria, Vittoria, Cesare, bring it up the rear. I'm excited about the ocean one. <laughs> you enter into a, a long hall about 20 feet long. The doors spread open wide. A total of eight busts line across the walls off towards your right and left. Off towards the right-hand side, the wall is covered with this mural of what looks to be a jungle with a river flowing through it this mysterious, misshrouded land. Nice. Off towards the left-hand side, you can see this roiling sea with three masted galleons mm. floating atop the water with distant, unexplored lands in the background. Before, each of these are four pedestals, four along your left, four along your right, displaying the busts of eight individuals. Uh, each one of these are named. Any of those of you wish may make me a society check. Oh, yeah. To recall knowledge. So I'll go ahead and give this to Niccolo, since Niccolo actually rolled the highest. Looking these over, um, all of these are busts of famous explorers. Mm. Most of these are of relatively poor quality, in that despite the fact that Niccolo, you know, you grew up with, you know, Mama's books of like distant lands and reading stories about great adventurers and all the rest of that, like you actually have to read the nameplate on seven of the eight <laughs> of these to actually them. <laughs> That's amazing. The last one is actually done relatively well. Mm. Um, they are mostly Chalaxian explorers. Oh, they are. Okay. The one that immediately stands out as a one of the most famous of all Chalaxian explorers is Montelarian Jagare. Jagare. He is notable for, uh, he's again got this big, impressive mustache, the spruce mustache, and his monocle sitting, you know, propped <laughs> on, uh, what is this? He's a famous uh, gentleman explorer from about three centuries ago. I believe most famous for uh, taking part in the discovery of Verisha. Uh, yep. Well, discovery, quote unquote, because the Verishians were already living there. But yep, uh, he's famous enough for that that, in fact, uh, the river that flows from um, through Verisha, through the uh, Mindspun Mountains and Conqueror's Bay is Jagari River, named mm -hmm. after said explorer. I suppose you all make your way uh, past this exhibit of, uh, of great explorers and into the chamber beyond. Yep. Yes. As you begin to enter into the room, 
the first thing that strikes all of you is this this briny smell that seems to waft through this room. There's a a perpetual dampness here. And underneath that briny smell, underneath that sense of that clammy dampness here, there's this pervasive odor of damp dirt and mold. Mm. The chamber has over a dozen water-filled cases, each a display of a strange, colorful sea creature, or so you believe. In many of these cases, these are just empty display cases now with whatever was in there hopefully being taken before this place was closed. Yeah. And if not, it has long since died. The far end of the room is covered with massive mural displays of adventurers and travelers and what appear to be numerous replicas of famous exploratory ships lie in the far wall. Many of them literally ships and bottles. Hmm. that just line one entire wall off towards your right-hand side of famous galleons that had traveled the world. The floor here and there are covered with small puddles of water alongside the shattered glass and fish skeletons which have spilled out of two of the tanks which have been broken open. Hmm. A 10-foot square tank full of water so dim and murky that you cannot see through it a thick film of green algae formed along all of the sides of it occupies the center of the room as you enter. Is it 10 feet tall or 10 feet It is a 10-foot cube. So both. Okay. Okay. So both. Hmm. Off towards the left-hand side, you can see that there's a large shadowy silhouette on a circular platform off towards your far left that looks to be some sort of horrific four-clawed monstrosity. There are two exits from this room. One off towards your left states Hall of Deadly Plants. <laughs> the one off towards your right-hand side leads into the insect zoo. I want to go look at the ships in a bottle slash potentially take one. Well, and we know from the layout that the little insect zoo should be its own little chamber, so we should probably check it out before going well, into the I, Hall I of Deadly, deadly Plants. Well, I thought Deadly Plants was off of this... Down towards your left as you're entering the room is the Hall of Deadly Plants. Off towards your right-hand side, your light's playing into a room that I believe only... I believe Ross is the only one. Nicolo, with your uh, your dark vision, you can see the uh, the massive stuffed form of a large spider off towards the right-hand side. Yes, I can. It's pretty creepy. Lovely. <laughs> Yay. This is the best place ever. All right, so Adria wants to go and look at the... Uh, the ships in a bottle. Yeah, I'm looking for like the best made one. I can make. I have a sailing lore now, so I can make sailing lore if I need to to pick sure, the one that. Go ahead and make it. Is the best looking. What about you, Lucia? Uh, Lucia, eh, she's just she's just curious about quad claw. So I'm gonna go over to the uh, what what remains of quad the, the quad claw creature. I'm not gonna be able to identify it on how many nature, but no, you can try. It just looks cool. Okay, and Cesare. Cesare is gonna walk down and. And stick his head into this deadly plants room just to make sure there's not something in there that's about to murder us all. Okay. Is there anything odd? Uh, Glancing around, the only thing that seems to be odd in here, why are these tanks broken? That is odd. And what happened to the things that were in the tanks? Like, again, the water, for the water to still be here, it must have been recent. I would like to investigate the tanks. Nicola? I would like to... actually take a closer look at the large tank, the uh, 10-foot cube one, just to see if I can make out whether or not there's anything in there. Okay. 
It's Cthulhu. Oh no. <laughs> Why did I choose this tank? <laughs> so, Vittoria, go ahead and make me a perception roll. Niccolo, go ahead and make me an athletics check. Uh, since to actually look inside of the tank because the sides are so grimy, you're going to need to hop up, grab onto the lip, and then pull yourself up enough so that you can look mm -hmm. in it from above. And then a tentacle reaches out and. No. <laughs> and we break uh, the glass. Adrian, and your way knows. over. All of these ships are of decent quality. Hmm. You can tell that all of them were, were made by hand. Wow. And as such, there's no real actual like value to any of these. However, you can find the one that you're like, this one's the best quality overall. This has oh. the best glass. Curiously enough, uh, you do see a number of small black bottles hmm. arrayed off towards the side, off towards the right hand side with a sign over it that says souls of dead sailors. Oh, that's very interesting. Each one of these bottles has a small cork from which a line is descended down to what appears to be a small weight that sits in the very center of each one of these bottles. Hmm. Kind of like a fishing lure. As you, you know, lean down and touch this, go ahead and make me a craft check. Oh, okay. It's not glass, is it? <laughs> um, actually, yeah, if you want to go ahead and make a uh, oh, nice. profession, your uh, lore glass blowing. Uh, looking this over, as you kind of, you reach down, you touch it. You look at the bottle. It's somewhat of a classic gimmick. Hmm. As you touch it, the string, which is taut with the weight, the slightest vibration travels down that and then to the small free-floating support in the center. It makes a very faint vibration noise. As in, like, it would sound very spooky. It's almost like someone strumming oh. a single string on a harp. Interesting. This does make a spooky noise for the bottle that holds Sailor Souls. I grin and I pick it up so I can show y'all. And then also I take the shit that I like and I'm like, I'm going to ask Rexus if I can have it. I like the wrestlers now. are just looking for threads, looking for like things that might be amiss. And then you just got Adrian in the corner being like, look at these cool bottles. <laughs> She's shopping. <laughs> Adrian, first shopping. of all, I love ships. These ships are amazing. Adria is yeah. like, this will look great on my mantle. The and we can spruce up the, 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 the nest thing. a little bit. Secondly, yeah. this other thing is funny and I want to show it to Niccolo. So, yeah, you take a sailor soul in one hand and you pick up the ship. The ship, by the way, is a scale model uh, replica of the Filthy Lucre. Oh, nice. Huh. Why is that familiar? It is the famed ship of the Hurricane King. That's right. Ah. Pirate ship. Yes, this is very on brand. I'm going to take this and put this in my bag carefully. <laughs> I'll wrap it in some other stuff. I was going to say, you better uh, wrap that in something because as soon as we get into a fight, that's cracking in two for sure. I'll wrap it in some stuff. I've got some random stuff in there. And then... uh Hey, Nicolo, I found these weird little things. Oh, uh, you're going to... Don't fall in there. I don't plan on it. Give me just a second. Lucia, making your way over, looking over this this thing. The first thing you're surprised about is this thing is not taxidermied. Eh? This appears to just be the carapace, the outer shell remains hmm. of what was once probably an actual living creature. You're not entirely positive. You may make an occultism check. Occultism? That's fancy. You have no idea what this thing was. Whatever it was, it had four freaking lobster claws and is horrifying looking. Cool. <laughs> the name that you'd heard earlier, however, from Vittoria had been the Quad Claw Marauder, which might be this thing. From there, Cesare, you make your way over. You kind of uh, glance into the room beyond. The chamber beyond is smaller compared to the other exhibit rooms you've been in previously. It's still 20 to 25 feet from one side to the other. And stepping inside, looking about, you can see that there are numerous exhibits here displaying a variety of quote-unquote deadly plants. All of these are dead. 
<laughs> Dead. Uh, however, most of them are all a variety of, you know, like here's, you know, Wolf's Bane. Here's Deadly Nightshade. There's a, a display case on the far side of the room that's entitled Walking Flytrap that has the desiccated remains of a Venus flytrap inside of it. You don't know whether or not it walked. I would not be surprised yeah. if that's actually a creature. <laughs> Please tell me that there's a sign that says don't eat the exhibits. Yes. Don't let the exhibits eat Can you. Can I make like a perception <laughs> check to take a better little search of this area? Uh, you may if you so wish. Checking about the room? No. Other than a single set of footprints that seems to have led into this room. Hmm. As if someone came in here and then left again. You don't really see anything of note in here. Vittoria, looking over the tanks. Hmm. There is a single sign underneath these two tanks that simply reads, Arcadian Mermaids. Huh. Um, everyone should stay alert because whatever was in these is no longer. Like it got out on its own? Um, I'm sort of wondering if they weren't raised, considering that we saw skeletons in the last room, so I assume maybe uh. they came through here and just resurrected whatever they could. It's just a theory. Oh, that's... Mm. Oh, that would explain why they're going in through the side doors, because they set a bunch of traps. Oh, they, yeah. It's possible. Oh, they were yes. mermaids. Yes. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> His hands reach out and grab Nicolo. <laughs> I'll also mention, as far as the uh, the mermaid part of this is concerned, Quite each of these tanks are actually not that large. There yeah. may be about three feet in overall length, maybe two feet high, a foot and a half deep. Mm. Halfling mermaids. <laughs> I don't think oh, they said they're mermaids, but they're there. really like the Grindylows or something? They're like little uh, manatee yeah. babies. Yeah. Nicolo. Uh-huh. With your, uh, your athletics check there, it's pretty good. Yeah, I rolled Very a athletic. seven, but I got a 17 total. Nope. So Dang. you spring forward, you know, to all of the rest of you, there's this, this bassy reverberant thump as his like knees strike the side of the glass and just the, the vibration goes through the water as Nicolo pushes himself up to like waist level so he can kind of lean over to look down inside of this. Go and make me a perception roll. Cool. <laughs> Looking around, the water level inside is much lower than you expected it to be. Okay. But you guess that's just evaporation and such. It looks like Originally, just judging this drop down inside of this is what was actually the lid for the top of this thing. As if someone had lifted it, maybe dropped it down on accident while fishing around or looking inside themselves. Hmm. Interestingly, the lid for the top of this thing were made of one inch iron bars. Hmm. Uh oh. And the sides of these, this tank is approximately three inches thick glass. Uh oh. Uh -huh. As you look this over, you can see these drag marks along the left hand side. You kind of lean over and look look back over towards where Lucia is. As if someone had fished whatever was inside of this out and then dragged it over to the table. Uh-oh. Uh Lucia. <laughs> As you drop back down, it's that like you reach down to pick up your weapon, that horror movie moment where you lean down and then you just look over towards the tank and there's the big label along the side of the tank. Quad Claw Mauler. Oh, no! <laughs> and we'll pick it up here next time. I did oh, the horror God, movie why? thing. <laughs> As Lucia turns around and just kind of stands up, why not the Zoidberg? <laughs> Find the Path Ventures is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Hell's Rebels is copyright 2015. Hell's Rebels and the Pathfinder Adventure Path are trademarks of Paizo. 
All Pathfinder images are property of Paizo and are used with permission. Find the Pathventures have converted Hell's Rebels from Pathfinder to Pathfinder 2nd Edition. Conversion notes are available to our Patreon backers at patreon.com backslash findthepath.